This is the podcast of the German Historical Institute London, a research centre dedicated to supporting and connecting students and scholars from Britain and Germany. The podcast series presents current research in British, German and European history, as well as colonial and global history. For more information on the German Historical Institute London, future events, the GHIL Library, studentships and more podcast episodes, please visit our website at ghil.ac.uk. In today's podcast interview, GHIL Senior Fellow and Head of the India Research Program, Indrashan Gupta, and PR Officer Kim Koenig speak to Prabhu Mohapatra about the research behind his GHIL lecture on a genealogy of labor regulation in India, the career of the employment contract. Welcome, Professor Prabhu Mohapatra. Welcome to our GHIL podcast. You were here with us last summer as an ICAST fellow. You are also a very well-known scholar of the labor history of India. My name is Indra Shingupto. I am a senior fellow at this institute and I'm also the head of our India Research Program. The reason for this podcast is just to find out some of your thoughts about your work, about the lecture that you gave us. So thank you very much for joining us. So my first question to you is about the topic of the lecture itself, or in fact, the substance of it, which was about the career of the employment contract. Why the employment contract? What is it? Is it a thing? Is it an object? Is it an idea? What is it? Well, it is a kind of combination of two in the sense it's an idea and it is also actually found in things like written documents and all. But it's a specific form of contract. It is not a normal contract, like you have a contract for a rental contract or a contract for, for a commercial contract. Employment contract is a specific, very specific form of contract. And its history is not very long. It emerged in the world from the late 19th century only. And um, it then spread quite widely all over the world. And India also followed suit roughly from the 1920s. International Labour Organization was one important forum through which, when it was established in 1919, the idea of the employment contract and uh, all the attributes of the employment contract was used as an instrument for creating what was known as standards of employment uh, all over the world. This, of course, it's a very conflict-ridden idea, but its essence is It combines in a particular form the idea of a contract, but in a sense of equal partners. But it, it also brings in the state in some ways to guarantee this contract and also to provide guarantee for certain type of welfare. So this is a new set of relationships which are emerging worldwide in the late 19th century, which is about how to bring together people who often are um, suspicious of each other because of their whole history and all, how to bring them together in a kind of a relationship which is open-ended. So this is the third attribute of the employment contract. It is open-ended. It is not a contract for a particular act or a particular, particular outcome. It's an open-ended contract. That means you are contracting for relatively unknown length of time, usually known, but a relatively long period of time contracting to trust the other person to perform and you also the employee also trust the master or the employer to provide him apart from the wages certain benefits 
this coming together of two of these usually suspicious things through a device of the employment contract, which puts together a standard contract, but also adds to it certain obligations, obligations on the part of one and the other. And this set of obligations could be around question, what happens if I fall ill? What happens if I... Uh, so it, in a way, what we know about this employment contracts character is that it is in a device which came into being to mutualize risks which existed in this emerging market for labor, worldwide competition between countries, between industries and so on and so forth in the late 19th century. It emerged in order to also have what do you call new forms of organization, new forms of uh, like joint stock companies, what we later immediately have after the in the first decades, beginning of what we know as assembly line production systems of production, which are now uh, acquiring global characteristics. They're no longer small workshops or small factories. They're pretty large, vertically integrated firms. In these firms, we needed this type of device or type of contract called the employment contract, which combined these three. Excellent. Thank you. So picking up on that, it's really about a way in which labor relations are regulated and where the state is also an actor. Let me ask you then, following on from your answer, you are one of India's leading labor historians. What drew you to labor history? What makes a labor historian? And what do you like most about being a labor historian? Well, I think what I like or what draws me to labor history is that it's not just a history about certain groups of people, which it is. And I have a lot of uh, empathy for certain groups of people, uh, their history of um, resistance, the history of how they shape the modern world through their activities and through their acts of political acts of resistance. These are, I'm drawn to that, number one. But I'm also drawn to something novel about these relationships. They are very different from relationships which happened inside the family, this new labor relation. It's not a relationship which happens inside the caste, though they partake of all of these, but they are definitely novel. And I grew up in a, a place, a newly industrializing place in the midst of a tribal area in Central India or Eastern India, actually. I grew up and I saw these things growing and I have a sense of something new happening in this, which is different, yet it tends to repeat what is old, but I could sense something new in the relationships of this. And I'm drawn to that a lot. I think labor and labor relationship are the center point of our experience of modernity and experience of the modernity in India with a specific trajectory as a colonial dependent colonial country on the one hand, with a strong agricultural background and a civilizational legacy of a certain kind, which has also cast hierarchy as a center point. I think I'm fascinated by these two aspects, both the traditions of, you know, the politics of labor as a political category, labor as a political source. I have images of strikes and all. I'm, I was always fascinated by that. And as a novelty, as a kind of a, real window to modernity, you know, real, not even, let's not a window, let's say this is a, the, the uh, thing through which we experience modernity of our modern life, modern existence, its distinction from domestic relations, relations of what you call caste, religion and all, and a specific set of relationships. It's conflicting and cooperative at the same time. And it's interesting how it builds on both of these and by the way, the, the employment contract is a particular way to 
match this conflict and cooperation simultaneously. And it's an interesting device. It's an interesting device, quite different from other similar devices of contract that I know. Um, it leads me to my next question. And I think this is quite interesting what you say about how the employment contract and labor history are ways of understanding India's modernity and the shift from you know, agrarian to urban, uh, from rural to urban. Can I ask you to tell us a little bit about the role of Indian labor history generally in the history of labor as world history? So let me put it to you in another way. Labor history is considered by some historians, especially in the West, as not being particularly relevant anymore. It isn't really at the center of, you know, kind of cutting edge research anymore. It's not, uh, it's not fashionable anymore. What is your response to that? And where do you think Indian labor history or the history of Indian labor fits into this world narrative? Absolutely. I think this is a very important. This also links up with what I am going to uh, in the lecture which I gave, which is about the career of the employment contract. What I meant by a career is not a continuous career. In fact, it's, you could have called it rise and fall of employment contract. That's what we are seeing. The career of the employment contract, the rise and fall of the employment contract as a device is important for us to understand. This was the, the center point, or let's say this was the object of labor history generally. How did workers come about here? That was the standard institutional history of labor and also brilliant social history of labor, which uh, led the way for social history generally in the 60s and 70s. But of course, the diminishing of the employment contract itself, which is now slowly dismantled, gradually, not just gradually, sometimes very brutally dismantled, as the elements which were brought together in the employment contract are disintegrating, they provide the basis for, on the one hand, pessimism about relevance of labor, because no longer the employment contract was the center point of uh, all rights of labor and the struggle over rights that, you know, which derived from the employment relationship. As the employment relationship after the 80s shift and change, more and more indirect relationship, outsourcing, forms of subcontracting, temporary jobs. Now, as these dominate and the formal employment contract starts shrinking, you have a pessimism about the relevance of labor history. And the career of the labor movement is sadly true, is directly connected to the employment contract. We forget, of course, that there existed a labor movement before the employment contract. In fact, the employment contract was the result of the labor movement's work in the 19th century. And also that the labor movement, despite the fall of the employment contract, does exist. Yet, for a long time, this identification of the labor movement with the employment contract, labor history with the labor movement and with the employment contract was the reason for a long-term pessimism about the relevance of labor. But at the same time as this is happening, 1990s, precisely this same time, we have a huge expansion of what we know as new forms in which labor emerges. For instance, the vast masses of workers from the Eastern Asian countries and slowly from India who move from the countryside to the city as new forms of industrial division of labor, international division of labor, produces manufacturing, industrialization in the peripheries now. And the importance, the huge numbers itself brought a new kind of relevance to the question of labor. That's one. The second, the fact that 
the non-Western, non-European trajectories of labor, for instance, in India, always had a very minuscule portion, which was under the formal contract, and a large proportion of people who were in the informal contract or informal relationships of labor now becomes more visible. You know, so for a long time, the visibility of the small and a very limited and very minuscule section, it had obscured the prevalence of a large and prevalence, not just persistent, but actually blossoming of what we know as the informal sector labor history. This is where the kind of decline of labor history and labor movement is happening in the West, in the European countries, due to subcontracting, due to temporary thing, due to outsourcing, due to technological development, all of these leading to new forms of relationships, which were later termed as precarious, were actually in some ways mapped onto what was known as informal sector, insecure sector in the third world or in the... So in a way, uh, a strange convergence which was happening, the experience of the third world that includes India, the questions which were raised about the relevance of labor history in a country which is largely agrarian and which has small amount of industrial labor, can we do labor history here? The questions which were asked there now become relevant to a place of global labor history where even in the what you call even in the advanced western countries you have declining role of so-called standard employment relationships and declining welfare states increasing insecurity of workers now this sad convergence at the same time revealed or in a way reversed the leading role usually played in all academic discourses in which west leads the rest in this case, the fact that we had experience of the agrarian or say the informal sector labor, the, that provides a new light, the experience of the old labor history. So in a way, this shift after having led the social history movement in the 60s and 70s and its downfall in the 80s and 90s, labor history's renewal and rejuvenation arises from experiences like of India or in China. Unfortunately, we still don't have a full history of Chinese labor experiences. But if we bring that together, it would provide, it is providing a new direction to what will, as not just about what is happening in the, for the future of labor history in the West, but its past also. How several areas of labor were obscured earlier because the emphasis had been on this formal employment contract. So in this sense, I think um, Indian labor history and labor history will play and has played an interesting role in rejuvenating labor history in general and throwing new light on the experience of the advanced capitalist countries and their history of labor. Thank you, Prabhu. I'll hand over now to Kim to ask you another couple of questions. Prabhu, I was just noticing right in the beginning of your lecture, you mentioned a few German sociologists and philosophers, amongst others, a former GHIL researcher, Willibald Steinmetz, but you also talk about Jürgen Habermas, for example. I was just wondering, what is your connection to these researchers, German researchers, and what is it about their text that inspires you? Yeah, a whole range of relations, right? 
well germany uh, german philosophy german historical sociology uh, have been our uh, inspiration for a long time and no i i very proudly consider myself a student of marx karl marx and i'm a marxist by conviction and by training also so i i uh, i understand this very well i've lot to learn from it so what's interesting is that um, some of the interesting changes which were happening in the late 20th century are taken up by the german uh, sociologists and philosopher klaus of for instance of the idea of disorganized capitalism now that's a very interesting idea it's coming up at a time when we are seeing the first decline of 1980s the decline of you know organized labor movement and uh, so then i i was very happy to have read willibald steinman's work which came out in 2002 i think in a seminar of ghil because i'll tell you how it resonates in a very particular manner i am a historian of actually not of the employment contract but of the contract the type of contract that existed prior to the employment contract i'm a historian of the master servant law in some way expert on many in sense i know more about master servant law and so that the kind of segging of the old master servant contract into the new employment contract was my interest and there i found a lot of interesting resonance instead of thinking of a break a sharp break between the 19th century which was largely penal contract workers were criminalized into this welfareist kind of a world which comes in the 20s i found their interpenetration much more interesting so those are the kind of resonances which i got from both and also from uh, works on, of uh, other philosophers who have uh, kind of understood this particular transformations which are happening uh, in the late capitalist era but how much they resonate to the past in some sense so this play of mirrors between what is happening now and what happened in the past and we trying to figure out where it will go by provided uh, me with the and of course i was i actually had spent a year in germany and i actually gained a lot by interacting with labor historians like professor avi ahuja at gottingen but andreas eckert and others who were african labor so in a way global labor history was uh, something in which i just jumped in around 2010 and which had been encouraged in humboldt university in a new center and that was a very very important experience for me also that's very interesting thank you do you have any more questions indra no i think we've asked you enough to give our listeners a bit of a an insight into the lecture and i think this will frame the lecture very well thank you thank you so much prabhu thank you for listening to the german historical institute london podcast follow us on social media and check our website to keep up to date with new episodes